Welcome to season two of Alignment. On this season, we're focusing on tech crimes. This sounds pretty dark and nefarious, doesn't it? Well, we're not talking about deep, dark internet crimes, but rather our trespasses as business professionals and technologists. Think of them as the no-nos that you just don't do. I'm Ken, and joining me in my confession today is Angie. Angie's a director and scrum master with Engage Partners, and she's going to help me explore some of the crimes that we, uh, that is me, as technologists commit, sometimes without even being aware of it. So before we begin, Angie, let's, uh, let, let's let the viewers know a little bit about you. Tell us about what you do as a scrum master and what, uh, what your responsibilities are. What's your, what's your day look like? Well, Ken, I'm glad to be here, and to answer your question, my day is anything but typical, I would say. Um, the day comes with a variety of things to do and tasks to complete, but at our client sites, I've done a variety of things, from being a scrum master to a product owner to project manager and anything in between. Um, I have managed work helping teams upskill their agile capabilities, working with stakeholders to better understand and create solutions to solve their problems. I have also done some coaching to new leaders who are learning to guide their teams. So as a scrum master, you could do a variety of those things. Um, and it depends on what the client is looking for and what the need of the team is at that time. Like I said, I don't really have a typical day. Well, that sounds cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah. No boredom there. No, that's one of the things that I really like about it. Yeah. So in your in your work, then I, I assume that you've had a lot of experience working with software developers. True statement. True statement. True Definitely statement. a true statement. Lucky you. <laughs> Lucky you. Um, so, in your opinion, what are some of the things that developers do that just make you lose your mind? Well. They're always a joy to work with, for sure. But there are a few things that can rub folks the wrong way. Um, there are things such as when developers choose to cherry pick stories out of the backlog or refuse to participate in refinement activities or perhaps they find that the definition of done is not something they choose to adhere to. It could be a variety of things that can get me. Um, a little frustrated, I would say. So let's talk about a, a couple of those things. Uh, cherry picking stories. Uh, what is that and why is it bad? I mean, some of our folks listening might not really uh, understand what that means. Uh, having done it many times, I know exactly what you're talking about, <laughs> but for the benefit of our listeners, uh, what, what's, uh, what's, what's the big deal? I'm sure you would never cherry pick stories, Ken. But for those that don't know what it is, uh, so the product owner is responsible for building out a backlog for the team. The backlog is a, the list of activities that need to be performed to meet the sprint goal. And the backlog is typically stacked based on value to the business, value to the product, what will meet the needs of the end users. And so the backlog is built out so that the delivery of the product increment can be done in a consistent manner in order to meet the needs. 
So when you build out the backlog, the idea is that the team pulls from the top. You're going to pick the most valuable story at the very, the very top of the list. And from there, you can work that story. Any developer should be able to pull the story from the top. The idea is that you don't create silos in your team. Everyone can do everything so that you're there to back each other up, help each other out. So when developers choose to cherry pick a story, they're gonna be pulling stories out of order. So at the end of the sprint, if perhaps for some reason you aren't able to complete all the stories in the backlog during that sprint, then you may not deliver the most important things. You may not deliver things that needed to be done in order to meet the goal, whereas you may be instead delivering the things that were less important. Everything is important, but there is value doing the most important things first. So if you choose to pick one from a lower level of the backlog, then you're pulling things out of order and not meeting the needs as the product owner had depicted them. As a scrum master, I would want to understand why you were choosing to cherry pick your stories. Was it because you didn't understand the stories that were at the top of the list and so you skipped them? It, was it because you didn't feel confident in your abilities to do them and you didn't know how to get help to make it happen? There could be a lot of reasons why you were doing that. And so for the scrum master on the team, it's their job to understand why you were doing that and help to alleviate that problem. All that comes from a lot of communication, conversation, and asking the hard questions. So it's important that we start to dig into the why behind it and not just don't do that. Because if you uncover the why, you can figure out what it is that can be changed amongst the team to help you get more confident and comfortable to pull those stories that are at the top. Hmm. So in the in my experience, when people cherry pick stories, it's there's a the main reason is that like I'm a back end person. I don't do front end stories. How do you handle that on a team? Uh, if you've I don't even know if you've run into that before, but I mm -hmm. but I have. Uh, how do you handle that? And uh, you know what are some tips that you can give to developers to to avoid uh, avoid that because no nobody knows everything. Even if you're a back-end person, you might pull a back-end story that you don't know how to do. So, um, what do you tell them? When you're pulling that story and you don't know how to do it, you're figuring it out. You're learning. You're growing. I'd say the same thing applies if you're looking at a front-end story. Um, if you're a back-end guy and you pull a front-end story, you'll learn if you try to work through it. You're never going to learn if you don't attempt now, will you struggle? Will you have problems? Will you not understand? Sure, but you're going to learn and grow in the process. And the idea of a scrum team is that you are cross-functional. So you should be able to help each other out and do the things so that if one person's out, you can still move forward. If one person is busy because they're bogged down in a particular story, you can still move forward. So the only way you're ever going to do that is if you start to get brave enough to pull those stories that make you uncomfortable, that push your limits and help you learn. So be brave. Be brave. Be brave. Got to be brave. Kay? Grab the bull by the horns. <laughs> That's right about the time that it throws you through a wall. But anyway.
I digress. So another thing you mentioned was um, not participating in Agile ceremonies. Maybe you could expand on that a little bit, because I know I've been on teams where uh, we were, it seemed like we were ceremonied to death. Um, but uh, I've been on other teams that didn't have quite as many ceremonies, but people still complain. <laughs> uh, I don't want to do retro. I don't want to do refinement. I don't want to, do we have to do this? And um, to me, uh, I remember thinking on several occasions, if I was a scrum master, I would be losing my mind about it right now. <laughs> this is like dealing with kindergartners. And sometimes it feels that way. But I think the, the idea behind the ceremonies as they exist is to serve the team. And so if the team is whining about having to go through it, there's a problem that needs to be solved. And so again, we go back to understanding, seeking to understand the problem that creates the attitude towards the ceremonies. Do they take too long? Are they not productive? Is it not an efficient use of people's time? The why behind each one of the different ceremonies is key into making sure that you're doing what you need to do to get done with the sprint objective. And if you're not achieving those goals via those ceremonies, then perhaps you need to come up with a different way. So the answer to your question, do we have to do this? No, you don't. You don't have to. But if it serves the needs of the team, then you should. If there's a better way to do it, then start talking about that. Start talking about better ways to work within your team. Because if sprint planning is not working for you, by all means, let's find a different way. If refinement is not working for you, by all means, let's find a different way. Now, if it's just not working for Ken and it works fine for the rest of the team, we should probably visit what's going on with Ken and not so much change the entire thing for the team. But if it's not working for the team in its entirety, let's talk about that. Let's have a conversation and figure out what would work better because the ceremonies are meant to serve the team. And if they're not serving the needs of the team, then we should flip that and make it work. So I'm getting the impression that communication is important. It is very important. I think one of the key things that you can have on a team is open and honest communication. And that all stems from a high level of trust. And trust is not gonna be inherent on day one. That's why the longer a team works together, the more they work more effectively and efficiently. So building that level of trust within your team is super important to be able to allow people to have the conversations that are uncomfortable, that are hard. You need to be able to tell each other when a process isn't working, a approach doesn't work. Um, and if it doesn't work for you, perhaps it doesn't work for somebody else. But all of those conversations, they have to come from a place of trust. And if you haven't built the trust, then you're going to miss the mark with the conversation. Tell me about some, some of the difficult things you've had to deal with with teams. I mean, teams are made up of people. People all are different, and they have a different agendas, and they have different temperaments. 
and you know it's it's the proverbial herding cats uh, <laughs> situation. How do you how do you handle developers? I think first and foremost, we have to remember developers are people too. They have personalities and ways of working, and just similar to everybody in the whole wide world, we all have our unique perspective, our unique personality, and our unique lens that we look through. And our approach and individual perspectives are key to how your team is built. I think one of the things that we need to realize that there's no one-size-fits-all that's going to work for every team. One of the things that's really nice about being a Scrum Master, back to the typical day question, the typical day um, doesn't exist because every team is unique, every perspective is unique, every person is unique. And so what works for one person, one team, one organization may or may not work for another organization or another team or another person. So I think understanding those unique perspectives and those unique um, lens in which they look through life helps to form the team and understand what's happening amongst the group. I can't decide if I answered your question. I think you did. Okay. I think you did. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure you did. What tips would you give to a new developer as they join an, an agile team? Perhaps they're new to the agile life cycle. I think the biggest tip that I would give is ask questions. If you do not understand something, ask questions. If you don't see the why behind something that you're doing, ask questions. Fresh perspectives are always amazingly helpful, especially if you have a if you're a new developer to an established team that has been doing the same thing forever and ever, your fresh perspective can be very valuable to that group because you're going to look through a lens that they haven't looked through in a long time. Having coming into the team and seeing things from your own perspective and asking questions about those things is always valuable for a team that is well working well together already to get even better. Or perhaps a team that isn't working so well together to and can't see why they're not. Asking those questions can be very valuable mm. to the group. I think in the sense of asking questions, you also have to be brave enough to admit when you don't understand. I think that's super hard for people who are very new because they don't like to say, I don't know. But I don't know are the three little words that can be so very helpful. It gives people the opportunity to step in and help you. Because if you're pretending like you know, no one's going to consider that you need help. So don't pretend you don't know. Be, be brave and say, I don't know, can you help me? And then be willing to jump in and dig deep and help figure it out. Hmm. Yeah, that's good stuff. I wish I could have had that advice long ago. <clears throat> it is so hard. It is so hard to admit you don't know something. Um, and there's so much I don't know. It seems like it would be second nature. But no, it's not. It's hard. I think the longer we are in the workforce, the more we determine how much we don't know yeah. and are more willing to admit it yeah. because the more you uncover, the more you realize there is more to uncover. Right. And the things that we knew before, we no longer know. <laughs> it's a strange, strange thing, strange thing. 
So thanks for all that, Angie. That, that's been very insightful and helpful uh, to me personally and, and hopefully to our listeners. Uh, so to just uh, sum up what the, the key things we talked about today, if we, if we can communicate with one another bravely and candidly, then we can get by uh, we can we can solve a lot of the problems before they even become problems. And the other thing that, that really stuck out uh, is that we need to develop trust. When we're on a team, we're working on a team, we trust our teammates. We trust the leadership. For example, when we're the, the, the cherry picking of stories, we have to trust that if I pull the story off the top of the backlog, and I don't know how to do it, I'm afraid I'm not going to get it done in time, that A, I'm going to get help, and B, if it does work out that I'm not going to get it done in time, it's not a black mark against me. It's just the normal process, and you got to trust the process. So thank you so much for that. Um, it's, been, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for having me, Ken. It's been fun talking to you, too. That wraps up today's episode. Thanks for listening, and I hope that something that we said today uh, was inspiring to you or was informative. And if you did benefit from it, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at engagepartners.com. <laughs>